Hey everybody and welcome to episode 50 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 50. Um, so, we're 50 not out, you know, about half century. So, thank you very much, guys, for all all of you that have been tuning in and, um, yeah, pushing the Revive Yourself podcast word out to the world. Uh, hope we, when we get some great reviews, we're getting some fantastic messages from people saying how much you've impacted them, which is great for me, you know, because we're here just to change the world. And if I can take people out of their suffering and their chronic illness and their pain, and moving on to a life that they enjoy, then that's what I do it for. Um, so, you know, those sort of messages are great. As I say, www.reviveyourself.co for our free four-day um, gut revival mini course. That's been helping lots of people. And if you want that or need that, then head on over there because you're going to get a great value out of that. So this week's episode is all about medical marijuana. Um, and it's... It, well... It's, it's, a, it's a topic that's been getting quite a lot of attention recently and um, we've got Dr. Roshana Patel in and we're going to be talking all about it. So um, from well, we cover lots of different issues on the topic. It's got quite an interesting interview and she still has a medical background. So as you'll see in the interview, we come to a disagreement on a, on a couple of things maybe, but um, I'll give you some information about that later on down the line. But here she is without further ado. Enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. So, Dr. Rashana Patel, welcome to the show. How are you today? Yeah, good. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. No worries. So, we were just um, talking so fair, about how you're currently in California, but you're thinking of, well, you're moving to Hawaii. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm going to get a little taste of the, of the island life. Yeah. And what um, brought you to that, to that decision? Why are you moving to Hawaii? So I've been in my brick and mortar practice for since 2014, and um, uh, I've been getting I'm transitioning my practice from brick and mortar to online, uh, mainly because there are um, quite a few people from all over the world that um, have been reaching out to me, and so in order to you know expand the impact that I can have, I'm taking my practice online to 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 reach more people to to change more lives. Um, and at the same time, um, I, I've kind of been a nomad at heart. So, um, I'll, I'll travel around and while I'm traveling, one of the other things that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be speaking at conferences and, um, uh, educating other physicians about medical marijuana. Awesome. Yeah. And I said, I'm just, just talking about how I think, um, Dr. Robert Cesar, you two would make a great team. Um, he's into terrain modification and deals with lots of people like detoxing the body at a deep level, but he does use, I think, cannabis oil, etc., as well. So, um, so first of all, just your website. So, I will mention for just get it out, get it out of the way, so people can know where you can find you, which is at www.drrashanapatel.com. And um, so, Rashana, looking through, reading about you, etc., going about your bio, your story is quite an interesting one because we'll be talking about medical marijuana today, and we'll be going through the ins and outs of it. But you, your ones, your story is an interesting one because. Um, it started with you in medical school 
until you come across an advert on Craigslist. Is this correct? Yeah, that's how it all started. So um, I, I experience a lot of insomnia in residency because there comes a point where you work so much where you just get wired. And so no matter how tired you are, you just can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did what any other insomniac does, which is I started surfing the Internet. Um, and one night I was surfing around on Craigslist and I happened on an ad that said medical marijuana doctor needed. So definitely piqued my curiosity because at the time I was training in the area of emergency medicine. And, you know, I went into medicine because because I wanted to create change in people's lives. I, I truly wanted to help save lives. But what was happening was that, um, you, you know, most of who comes into the emergency room are people who experience a lot of pain, whether it's chest pain, back pain, you know, stomach pain. And so if there is no emergent cause of the pain, an emergency medicine doctor will usually send the patient out with a prescription uh, to help manage their pain, to hold them over until they can see their primary care doctor. Now, a lot of these medications were prescription pain medications, okay? Mm-hmm. And so these patients would then come back into the emergency room experiencing side effects from these medications. Um, I, we, had, we saw plenty of, of, of patients that were addicted to these prescription pain medications, um, and they would come into the emergency room to get their fix. Um, and then I was in the unfortunate position of having to resuscitate patients that overdosed on these prescription pain medications. So... Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons why that the medical marijuana piqued my curiosity, because as I started to dig into the research, um, I found the, very, uh, the information to be very compelling um, in using medical marijuana to treat chronic pain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this is something I want to talk about with chronic pain. But before we get into um, what and who mer- medical marijuana can help. Can we first talk about what what medical marijuana is and uh, medical marijuana is and who it can't help? I mean, the, the difference between that and recreational marijuana and then who people it can't help. Sure. So um, it, it let's talk about the people that I that I treat the mo- most often. They're people with chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia. Um, within the category of chronic pain, that's a very broad category. Some of the more common conditions that I treat are back pain, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. migraines, arthritis. Uh, a lot of these conditions are resistant to to conventional medical treatment that's currently available. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the group of patients that I do treat. Now, there are a group of patients that I treat with a lot of caution, okay? Right. Um, those are patients who have heart conditions, okay patients who have lung conditions, mm-hmm. patients with a, uh, a psychiatric condition, especially when they've had a history of psychotic episodes, uh, women that are, that are pregnant, um, that are planning to become pregnant, um, uh, or uh, that are breastfeeding. Um, and then finally, children. That's another um, uh, population that I'm, I'm treating with a lot of caution. Right. And so... When you say treat with caution, you mean you have to watch their dose, etc., a bit more, or you'd have to maybe regulate it a little bit more uh, frequently than you would otherwise. Yeah, so there's a couple of different things that I'm that I'm watching out for. One is the combination of chemicals that they're using. Right. Two is what method they're using to actually administer the marijuana. Mm-hmm. 
Um, three is looking at how much they're using and, and how often they're using it, right? So main, main driving factor behind that is that, is that too much toxic levels of marijuana will cause side effects. Now, as an example, one of the side effects that marijuana causes is an increase in heart rate, right? So anybody who has a heart condition, like say, for instance, they have a dysrhythmia. Dysrhythmia is when your, your heart, you know, ever so often tends to beat abnormally. If you increase the heart rate, it can it can make the heart more prone to that dysrhythmia. So, so just as an example, a lot of the side effects of marijuana can exacerbate these conditions, which is why I'm I'm treating these patients with a lot of caution. Well, that's weird because right? most people would think that marijuana would slow you down. Uh, you know, it depends. Depends on the combination of chemicals. So, and 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 if you overdo it, it can certainly slow you down mentally. If you overdo it, okay. Um, but interestingly enough, they did a study on on the impact of marijuana on cognition uh, recently in 2016, um, and cognition is is basically sort of a culmination of all the capacities that we need to function in the real world. Where you know things like planning, preparing, organizing, uh, remembering things. Um, so um, uh, what they found was that. Uh, these were people who were using marijuana medically, right? So they're using it in moderation. They're not overdoing it. And and they found that it actually helps them. Um, uh, Sorry, I just lost you there. So I was just saying, I thought thought you went off. I said, I'm not surprised because I reckon it probably relaxes people to a level that they can actually um, think a bit clearer. So a lot of people that are maybe overstressed. Right. That's one of their theories, right? And the other theory is, is that someone who's experiencing pain, the, the medical marijuana helps to get their, their mind off of the pain and so they find something else. Um, and that in turn can impact their performance. Yeah, 100%. Just quickly, um, I want to go into reactions with medication uh, and alcohol, but just quickly first, what is the difference between recreational marijuana and medical marijuana, Rashna? Have I lost? Um, okay, so uh, just, really, there isn't a difference. Right, I've just sort of lost. What was that? One second, Hannah. I think we just. Uh, are we? Do we have? Uh, one second. The connection is just a little bit bad. One second. Let's see if I can get you a bit better. Can you hear me clearly? Perfectly clearly. Right, I'm getting. A I, bit I'm not bit. losing you at all. Okay, so. on your end. Can you? Is there any times you just turn up this volume a tiny bit, Rashna? Yeah, yeah, sure. How's that? Yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, that's good. So I was just just asking difference between medical okay, marijuana. Okay, perfect. And I'm speaking to the mic too. Right, cool. There's a little delay, but it's okay. Okay, all right. So go ahead. The difference between medical marijuana and uh, recreational marijuana. Sure. So the the, the main difference is that um, you know a lot of it comes comes down to uh, at in in the United States. You have states that have legalized marijuana for recreational use, right? And in these states, um, uh, the marijuana is is mandatorily lab tested. Now, it's also the case in states that have legalized marijuana for medical use as well. So that's sort of um, uh, one of the main differences is that when if you're choosing to use it medically, then because of the laboratory testing, you know exactly what you're putting in your body, right? Because the laboratory testing will give you exact amounts of the different chemicals in marijuana 
they'll they'll tell you if it's been tested for pesticides and fungicides, and they'll tell you if uh, if it's been tested for fungus and bacteria. Okay, mm-hmm. so so really, it it can come down to a legal difference between medical and recreational. It comes down to how the person chooses to use the marijuana itself. Okay, mm-hmm. so so um, so so in terms of the actual product itself, there is no difference. Um, there are some places that that do make a distinction between medical and recreational in terms of the product itself, but it comes down to the amounts of of the 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 potency of the cannabinoids. But really, when I guide my patients, we're not aiming for more is better. We're aiming for optimal mm-hmm. um, at dosing. Okay, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, I always say that it's one of those things. More isn't always better. This is. Something that <laughs> I learned the hard way, and I think a few of my probably mentors, other people, heard that the hard way themselves. Like, you think one scoop of greens is good, well, why not have ten? And you realise why it's not good because you're pushing. It's like it's like you keep on having something that's almost so powerful, it can really send you into a harsh healing crisis or detox, or it can just give you like an influx of concentrated nutrients that your body just can't handle until it. I mean, it can just cause problems basically. Uh, um, so sometimes it's easy to say finding the optimal amount is is what you're all about you know sometimes less is more and in fact oftentimes less is more um i'm sure you probably would agree with that um so you just mentioned there cannabinoids what are these because i know this people might my listeners will go right what are cannabinoids can you just, just discuss that for us yeah, sure. So cannabinoids is basically another word for the chemicals in marijuana, okay? Now, there's a wide variety of compounds, chemicals that marijuana makes. There's about, as far as we know, 60 to 100 of them. And and again, from what we know, there are two main chemicals that it makes in high concentrations. The one that most people have heard of, THC, and then there's CBD, okay? Mm-hmm. So THC is a psychoactive compound. CBD is not psychoactive. Now, it's important to know that, you know, just because you use a small amount of THC doesn't mean it'll automatically be psychoactive. You have to sort of get beyond a threshold for its psychoactive psychoactive effects to to kick in. Um, So so that's basically, you know, uh, in a nutshell, cannabinoids. Right. So... So the dif- so the difference between medical marijuana and CBD oil or THC, for example, is what they're just sort of single. Um, you're getting single strains of them, or how would you? What what is the difference? I mean, you 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 tell us. Yeah. So so there are different types of marijuana plants, okay, including hemp, um, that make differing amounts of THC and CBD. Now, from a legal standpoint, and this is sort of an international definition of hemp, hemp has less than 0.3% THC by legal definition, okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you take any extracts from that, it's naturally going to have, it's going to have higher amounts of CBD and lower amounts of THC. Um, now, uh, there, there are marijuana plants that make cannabinoids that are the, at the opposite end of the spectrum. They're making, uh, uh, high amounts of THC and low amounts of CBD. Okay. So you, uh, you, so going back to your question, you asked about CBD oil and what else? Sorry, I just lost you there, but we'll go for it again. I asked about, um, the C- CBD and THC. Um, how do they differ from just medical marijuana across the board? Are they are they just like single extracts of them? 
Okay, so so no, to answer your question, no. It's just that there's uh, high amounts of THC, low amounts of CBD in some plants, and then high amounts of CBD and low amounts of THC in other plants. So so whatever you purchase will have um, uh, both. It's just going to be varying amounts of both. Okay. So so the oils, for example, they're just pure extracts of one or the other. Um, yeah. So no, it's it's so it's not a pure etched. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. So it's not a pure etched. Is the connection really bad on your end? Yeah, yeah. It's really bad. I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I'll I'll turn it. I'll click it off, and then I'll ring you again, and we can just go. This is the this is the beauty of live recording. One second, um, I'll give you a call back. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. So sorry, guys. So we have to ring her back again because. Uh, We've got really bad connection here today. The rain and the wind is thinking it's kicking up a fuss. So just before before they got cut off there, we're just talking about the difference between THC and CBD oil and um, the fact that they're not actually pure strains, which is really interesting because I think most people would think that they were quite pure, um, but you're saying that they actually have just different levels of THC or CBD in them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they do. And so I would be very cautious of that word pure. Right. You know, if it's used, it's really mainly for marketing purposes. Right, got yeah. Because we actually, I interviewed Rick Simpson on here before. Do you know Rick Simpson? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. I, I don't know him personally, but I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. He's at the Rick Simpson, um, Rick Simpson Oil goes into it and about how it helped him with cancer, etc. So, um, just we're we're going to that actually. But you mentioned about the people that you're you're careful with, people that are on medication and people that are on um, alcohol and how it can affect them. I mean, in an ideal world, you know, you want to slowly get people off of medication, right? Because, you know, it can be very toxic, it has lots of side effects. And, I mean, no one is it has been born with a medical, uh, sorry, no one's born with a uh, deficiency in medication, uh, no matter how much the pharmaceutical industries would like you to believe they have. Um, so, even with that in mind, though, what are some of the sort of negative reactions you can get if people are on medication or alcohol? And, um, you know, what, what, what I mean, say, is there any certain specific medications you say that's a real no-no to take when you're on um, medication, um, medical marijuana? I'm guessing from what you said before, if you're dealing with heart, heart issues, something like statins probably isn't the greatest, but I'll let you run with it. Well, okay. So here, there's, there are a lot of medications out there, right? So I'm going to talk about medications in terms of groups of medications. Um, uh, common medications that my patients have taken, um, and, and what I've seen with, with these medications, right? So I have patients, like I said, that come in, um, having chronic pain, anxiety, and insomnia. So a lot of the common medications that they take are opioids, right? So, um, I don't know what, what the names are, um, uh, in England, but they, they go by the names of morphine, yeah, yeah. Percocet, oxycodone, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with that group of medications, I have not found any adverse drug to drug interactions. In mm-hmm. fact, research has shown that, um, uh, in some way marijuana tends to enhance the effect of opioids. Um, and, uh, it, it, it makes for when the both are used together, opioids and marijuana, it makes one, it makes for better pain relief, but two patients are able to, um, reduce the doses of their medications or in the best case scenario, eliminate these medications altogether. Um, of course, you don't want to do it cold turkey. And then, you know, you, you want to um, uh, really talk to your primary care doctor 
um, or, or, or your specialist about coming off of these medications. You don't want to kind of take it in your own hands because you can go through severe withdrawal. Yeah. Um, other medications, antidepressants, um, um, uh, medications that uh, help with anxiety, anxiolytics. Let's see, what else? Um, uh, other medications like muscle relaxants, um, uh, NSAIDs, which are anti-inflammatory medications. Um, all these medications, I have not seen any adverse drug-to-drug interactions. Now, you mentioned statins. Same thing. I haven't seen any adverse drug-to-drug interactions with statins either because plenty of patients that are on statins. Um, so, so I can speak to those medications. There are thousands and thousands of medications out there. Yeah, I just would just can you hear me, uh, Rashna? Because I've got a poor connection again. Don't know why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So you're just saying, just for the listeners, just to clear it up, you're saying that you haven't had any seen any adverse affections with statins. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I was just mentioning that because you said how it can it can affect uh, heart rate, etc. So I didn't know if it may have uh, had an impact there. But okay. So when it comes to alcohol, what would you say? With that, is, can they be combined, or is it a dangerous thing to combine marijuana with alcohol? So interesting. There was a study done on this as well, um, and it was a pilot study. It's just a small small group of people, less than twenty people, and they gave them both marijuana and alcohol, right? Um, and different combinations at different times. And what they found was that when when marijuana and alcohol are used together the levels of the cannabinoids stay elevated in your in your system. And one of the theories is, is that the liver is trying to, um, uh, you know, that's your de- detoxification body. And so it's trying to get to, uh, which, whichever one is, is worse, it's trying to get rid of first. And so it works on the alcohol before it works on the, the marijuana, which is why the, the levels stay more elevated. And then, again, that, this is all theory, um, uh, but, um, but that's what, what's, what's been shown in research. Right, and so it can just stay in your system for a longer period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're getting almost you're almost getting double the effect. You know, you're getting the the effect from the alcohol, then you're getting the the effect from the marijuana. So um, yeah, <laughs> probably best to stay away from any sort of heavy machinery or car activity if you're if you've taken it, even if you're having just one one drink, etc. Um, all right. So when it comes to when it comes to the results you see with your patients, what 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 what's like the I'd say for for the majority of people, I mean, I'm sure you've had one of the cases. For the majority of people, what are the sort of results you see as soon as they add medical marijuana into their um, into their regime? Is there is their pain instantly uh, relieved far greater than it was before? Yeah. So within the first day, um, I would say within uh, the first 12 hours, patients notice a difference. Um, whether it's pain relief. Um, a reduction in anxiety levels, um, or uh, getting a you know better quality sleep that night. Mm-hmm. So within a day, they should know whether or not it's it's working for them. And then, um, uh, like I did mention, you know, effects on prescription medications where where patients are able to best case scenario they're able to eliminate the use of prescription medications. Mm-hmm. Then there are patients that are able to significantly significantly reduce doses or the number of prescription medications that they're taking. And then finally, there are people that have to continue to stay on their prescription medications, but they're getting better relief of their symptoms 
by adding medical marijuana um, to to the regimen that they're already taking. So that's medications. Um, and and you know, in terms of symptoms itself, yes, you know, it helps. Um, when it comes to pain, reduces levels of pain. A lot of times patients will also tell me that the marijuana helps me to get my mind off of the pain. Or when I use the marijuana, the pain doesn't bother me as much, okay? Um, when it comes to anxiety, a lot of my patients who have, who have a tendency to experience panic attacks, they see an elimination of, of, of these panic attacks in their life or a, a significant reduction in the, of these panic attacks in their life. Um, when it comes to sleep, um, in terms of specifically in terms of improvement, patients are able to fall asleep easily. They stay asleep. And interestingly enough, if they happen to wake up in the middle of the night, which a lot of the patients that I treat in the age range, they tend to, um, they're able to then fall back asleep easily. It's not like, you know, they, they wake up and then that's it. You know, they're, they're kind of up for the rest of the night. Um, they also wake up feeling refreshed as opposed to groggy, which is what a lot of prescription and over-the-counter medications um, uh, tend to do. They tend to leave patients feeling really groggy. Um, and, you know, if you can imagine, overall, this has a big impact on the quality of a patient's life, right? When, when they're sleeping better, when there's less pain, when they're less anxious, it helps them to improve, you know, their performance at work. It helps with, the, with their relationships because they're, they're not as irritable. Um, and, and they start to do all the things that they now enjoy um, or they did enjoy at one point but then couldn't do, like, like you know, going on walks, uh, gardening, go, playing golf. So, so I've seen a big difference. Um, uh, the, I've seen medical marijuana make a big difference in, in patients' lives. Right, awesome. And I'm guessing um, it, I want to talk about a few different things here. I've got about a million questions in my head now. So they... So it it relieves pain. I'm guessing it reduces inflammation as well. Would you say? Yes. Cool. So so let's talk about um, how it reduces inflammation. Go for it. We we know specifically based on research done in animal models there that that there's three ways that it reduces inflammation. Number one, it specifically targets um, um, cells that that cause an autoimmune attack. Okay. And and whenever you have any autoimmune attack going on, that causes inflammation. Number two, it suppresses the production of cytokines. Cytokines are chemicals that we have in our body. One of their jobs is to start and stop inflammation. So if you suppress your production, you're, you're, you're starting less inflammation. Number three, marijuana activates T regulatory cells. And these are cells that we have in place to, to prevent um, any autoimmune attack. Um, so the more of these cells that you, that you activate, that marijuana activates, you're going to have um, uh, uh, less of a likelihood of an autoimmune attack. So that's how specifically it um, helps to reduce inflammation. Oh, awesome. And so, I mean, inflammation, everyone knows, chronic inflammation has got a lot to do with a lot of chronic illness and disease. Uh, your body's constantly inflamed. Just quickly going back to the sleep there. When you say it makes people go to sleep, it helps them go to sleep. It helps them, even if they wake up in the night, get back to sleep. So is it having an impact on serotonin and melatonin? Um, melatonin, I'm not sure, but is it's definitely a serotonergic um, uh, chemical. And it's also dopaminergic as well, okay? So when it comes to anxiety um, uh, and even migraines, 
the research has shown, again, a lot of this is in animal models, research has shown that the way it's helping to alleviate the symptoms of these conditions is by uh, uh, impacting serotonin levels. Great, awesome. So, I mean, we're going to talk about a few things, but for me, you, you mentioned, like, obviously, you, you, get, you can take this. I think it's something that, it's a great stopgap. It, for me, it would be something like, instead of taking medication, I would take this, because ultimately, to get away from chronic illness or whatever you've got, fibromyalgia, tiredness, gut issues, if you've got migraines, I don't know, whatever it may be, you know, um, even even to levels of cancer. Once you've addressed your diet and lifestyle, you've got into your mental emotional state, you've detoxed the body, etc. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. You're trying to get to the root cause of these issues, and they go. So you don't. You, you at the end, hopefully, you won't have a need for this sort of pain relief. Um, and but but for people instead of medication it sounds like a great thing to have and and um i mean what even for someone who's healthy what are the benefits for someone who's not ill um would would are there benefits of people taking it that are just healthy going about their everyday life has it got things that can can improve someone's health um Okay, so if a person is healthy, do I recommend them taking medical marijuana? Yeah, is that I mean, yeah? What what yeah? What, um, what positive effects can it have? You know, here's the thing: I don't, I, I don't see it as, as like you know something that the body needs. If right. I don't, I don't, I just I'm not a believer in 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 push you know giving your your body a substance or a drug or a medicine if it's not something that it needs. Right, okay. So, so I don't advocate for that. Right, okay, cool. I was just wondering because, you know, I mean, if it's good for you when, when you're ill, then surely I was just thinking it'd be good for you when you're, when you're not ill. You know, if it's got... Yeah, benefits, well, I just, just... so here, yeah, here's the thing. You sort of kind of run, you know, again, if you take too much of it, um, I've had patients where, you know, they, they, they're not anxious. Yeah. But if they've taken too much marijuana and then all of a sudden, you know, during that time that it's that it's in high concentrations in their system, they're experiencing anxiety. So this is a reason why I don't advocate for for taking something when it's not necessarily, um, you know, you're, something that your body needs. Yeah. But again, you have to understand where, where the training that I come from. I, I come as a physician that's mm-hmm. trained in conventional medicine. Course, yeah. uh, I'm trained to fix the problem, right? And so, um, uh, so that's my focus. And so that's, that's why I, this is a perspective I have, even with medical marijuana. Yeah, no, of course. I get it. No, it's not. We've had lots of uh, medical doctors come on here. Or have maybe come over to change. They've changed up and gone on, on, the, on the alternative holistic route. But as you say, I mean, coming from me, would I rather have a natural antibiotic than a, conven- than a conventional one? Yes. Would I rather have a, a natural um, pain reliever? Than a, than a chemical synthetic one yes so for me it's a, it's a no-brainer you know and if if i can be working on the chronic illness at, at a deeper level whilst taking something that's relieving my pain and letting me to go to sleep and, and me, making that i can enjoy life again then to me it's a uh so it's a no-brainer you know and um it's great that someone like yourself who's been on the medical um learned down the, gone the medical route learned through medical school can come out and say this because a lot of time you know people get bad press it's one of these drugs that you shouldn't take and everything but some of the people, healthiest people in the world that I know take <laughs> maybe have a bong of it in in um, and obviously don't use the tobacco, don't use the Vista, you have it in like a in like a bong, or they just take a little bit of um, cannabis oil every now and again, just 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 to keep the body guessing, I suppose. But very interesting um, because 
people think it it can also well you mentioned there as well anxiousness paranoia you know people get addicted to it they become very paranoid uh, and also people think that highly intelligent people can take it and it can make them a little bit dopey a little bit stupid is this something you've come across in your research um well okay so run that by me again i'm not sure i understand your question so my question is the anxiety paranoia does that is that quite is that quite a big one as well getting people that get paranoid if they take too much of it only if you take too much of it. Okay. Um, and if you, you're taking the wrong combination of chemicals, basically, you know, if you're overdoing it, um, uh, that's when that happens. That's one of the sort of undesired side effects of marijuana. But it can completely be controlled for, um, uh, you know, with what you're taking and, and how you're using it. Okay. And addictive personalities, would they be someone that you'd, you'd probably say once they're healthy, you'd, I mean, you said everyone, but or even if they're not healthy, addictive personalities, well, can people get addicted to this? To this, to this drug? I mean, is there, yeah, so is there a high to it? Yeah. There's certainly a risk for addiction, right? Just like a lot of other medications. But let's put that into perspective. Okay. Um, uh, medications, okay, so, so t- uh, tobacco, the risk of addiction in heavy users is about 24%. Alcohol, it's about 14.1%, again, in heavy users. Uh, marijuana, it's about 9%. Okay. And again, this has to be, this is research done in heavy users. Now I've been practicing for over a half a decade now. Have I had patients come in and say, Hey, I've started this and now I can't stop it. Absolutely not. Um, because they're using it in moderation and really ultimately they're able to use it as an as needed medication. Okay. So the interesting thing is, is that, um, and, and I always like to equate it to alcohol when it comes to, you know, how you're using a substance. You know, if you drink a glass of wine every day versus having a case of beer, you're increasing your your likelihood of addiction with that case of beer versus that glass of wine. So, so that's what I like to sort of uh, 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 make it analogous to. Um, but um, it, the other interesting thing is is that marijuana is a fat soluble substance. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can stop taking it, but you still have stores of it in your body. So it's almost like you're naturally weaning off of it. Your body is sort of not going into shock, so to speak, um, uh, because you, you've completely stopped taking it and now all of a sudden it's, it's craving it. It already has the stores and it's, you know, just sort of very naturally uh, uh, weaning off of it. And so when it comes to withdrawal, um, you don't see the same withdrawal as you would see with opioids, for instance, or even alcohol. Um, uh, you know, in heavy users, yes, there is a period of withdrawal. I would say that lasts about four to six weeks. And then, um, and it's mild, it's, it's not as physiological, um, you know, there's irritability, there's maybe some changes in sleep patterns, some changes in um, um, uh, appetite as well, but then it usually dissipates. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, um, that's really important, because a lot of people think it's like a gateway drug, for example, getting onto higher things, um, uh, and also that feeling of getting higher, you know, can, do, do most people get high when they take this, or can you take it without getting high? You can absolutely take it without getting high, right? As long, again, as it comes down to d- doses and also what combination of chemicals you're using, how often you're using it, um, uh, the method of use um, as well, right? So it's all something that can be controlled for. Okay. And how do your guys take it? Do they do they smoke it? So I actually do not advocate for smoking marijuana, okay, because long term it does do damage to the lungs. Mm-hmm. Now, there, the alternatives are, are, are wide and varied. So let me go through some of them. 
You have topicals, right? So this is basically an ointment that has marijuana extracted into it. And it, you can apply it for, for conditions of the skin, of bones, so like arthritis, um, uh, localized areas of, of muscular pain as well. Um, uh, then there are, there's an alternative to smoking called vaporization, which is, which is healthier, uh, than smoking in that, um, you're not burning the plant, but you're heating it. Okay. So it's almost like using, you know, like a, a diffuser for essential oils. Mm -hmm. okay. Then you have edibles. Okay. So it goes, it's kind of evolved way beyond the, the prototypical pot brownie. Right. Um, it, you know, you, you have, you have chocolates, you have gummies still sort of in the arena of foods that aren't healthy for you, but now they're sort of coming up with healthier and healthier options. Cause you'll find gluten-free marijuana products, marijuana edibles. You'll find sugar-free marijuana edibles, um, vegan Mar marijuana Mar edibles. Marijuana smoothie. Is that coming out soon? Yeah, they have actually liquid versions. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah they do. Um, and then they have um, uh, tinctures, or what are what are yeah. medically known as sublinguals, right? So these are these are formulations that you put under the tongue. Yeah. Um, and then, believe it or not, there's also rectal and vaginal formulations of marijuana as well. So as the industry evolves, there's there's more and more ways to to use the marijuana. Awesome. And you mentioned there about skin. Um, would it help with eczema and psoriasis? Yeah, so I've seen a lot of success in patients with psoriasis. Um, it, it helps, and actually so interesting, there was a study done where they took psoriatic skin cells, okay, and they put them in a Petri dish, and they bathed them in a solution of marijuana. Now, the big, the big problem with psoriasis is that your cells tend to, to duplicate too often. And so that's why you get the flakiness, the, the peeling, the redness underneath this, uh, um, uh, the, that skin, and so what they found was that these cells, they duplicated less often. Um, and clinically, what I've seen is that patients um, say that it helps to reduce the flakiness, helps to reduce um, any redness, any swelling that's underneath. So yeah, I've seen it be very effective. Awesome. And what about fungal um, conditions? Anything for that? <laughs> So, in terms of treating, um, this is a bit of a fungal, it is a fungal condition, really. But I mean, things like, yeah, um, yeah, go go for it. Sorry, I interrupted you, but yeah, go for it. So, uh, when it comes to um, like treating fungus and bacteria, um, it's it's not something that I've seen be effective for those conditions. Okay. Cool. And so. We're going to go on to cancer because this is a big one. It's a lot, lots of in the news. People talking about C, um, THC oil, CBD oil, helping with cancer, med medical marijuana. Um, what, what are your thoughts on this? Can it can it inhibit cancer or tumor growth, for example? So, okay, based on research in animal models, marijuana does have anti-cancer um, uh, properties. But this doesn't necessarily translate over to humans. And so a lot of the claims that are being made, the, the research is being, being taken out of context because, you know, this research is done in mice, in rats, in Petri dishes. And so it doesn't always necessarily hold true in humans. In humans, there's been very, very few studies done. And the ones that have been done have tested maybe 10 to 12 patients at most. Um, and so I don't make the claim that marijuana... Uh, treats or cures cancer. Um, and, and really no oncologist ever makes that claim either because you can't, you never know if the cancer is going to come back or not. And so usually 
the standard is, is that after five years, a physician will say, okay, you know, we'll say that you're in remission at this point. Um, but, um, uh, you know, and clinically, have I had patients come back to me because I've certainly treated patients with cancer, right? When they're undergoing chemo and they're, they're having side effects from the chemo, like nausea, vomiting, um, a lot of them get long-term pain because it affects their nerve cells. It causes neuropathy, you know, and these patients aren't coming back to me telling me that, you know, that the marijuana has helped their cancer in any way. So, so that's my stance. Yeah. I don't think they would, though, right? If they're on chemotherapy and radiation, their body's being pumped full of uranium. It's going to be hard for them to uh, <laughs> to feel less pain. Um, but yeah, the oncologists as well. I mean, they legally can only treat cancer by cut, poison, burn. So um, their training's not in that. So I was just wondering, little studies people have been doing it. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary truthaboutcancer.com. It's really, really interesting. People have used it before. I just yeah. So. Here's the dangerous thing. Um, uh, there have been people that uh, patients that have come to me, and they have completely for, forgone the idea of conventional chemotherapy, and have decided that marijuana will cure their cancer. Okay, that is a huge risk to take oh, yeah. because you don't know you're sort of putting your life at stake when you make that decision because you don't know if it if what it will do to the cancer. Okay. So, so that's my, my position on it uh, as a physician. I don't want anybody making a decision at the, at the risk of costing them their lives. No. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, I mean, chemotherapy has a 97% death rate. So you're sort of playing, playing a bit, a bit of a gamble with well, your life. Depends. Not, not, so I don't know where you got that number from, but not quite, not in quite, not with not with every cancer. Okay, so it depends on the, on the cancer type. With certain cancers, we have very high success rates with chemotherapy. Right, we've made a lot of advances with, for instance, breast cancer, um, and the survival rates are really really high. Um, you know, and they're looking at these survival rates after five years. So I wouldn't write off chemotherapy completely. You really have to look at the numbers individually by the type of cancer. And that's really a discussion that you need to be having with the oncologist that, hey, what are the odds with this specific chemotherapy agent that you're going to treat me with? Um, and, and, you know, then, then make a very objective decision based on that. Oh yeah, of course. I want you to look into every single, uh, every do your own research, look into every single avenue. Um, but the oncologist, I mean, these numbers are, are out there. They're, they're quite publicised for everything. But um, if you if you want to go into it, uh, oncologists actually get paid by the most more chemotherapy they they give. So it's actually in their interest to give it. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt. Medicine is a business, no yeah. doubt. So right, completely on the same. Yeah, I agree with that. But let's look. I I like to look at things from the perspective of the patient. Right. So, so, you know, what, what do we want to do? We want to, um, uh, impact the quality of the patient's life. Right. Um, and so I, what I'm saying is that regardless of anything, look at the numbers, the data, what does the data say? Okay. And so, like I said, with, with some types of cancer treatments, we've, we've, there is a, is a huge, uh, survival rate. There's a lot of success with it. Uh, and like the example that I gave was, was breast cancer, for instance, right? Depends on the type of breast cancer. Um, but, but you got to look at it from that perspective. So have the physician give you objective data to go off of, um, and you know, know which questions to ask. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that, that comes, I mean, this is the thing, it's saving medical marijuana. It's, it's, 
it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't work on its own. You you take in medical marijuana and then you get your diet and your lifestyle right. You're not drinking toxic water. You're not you're not having a million and one things, chemicals in your skin, etc., etc. Your body's going to respond. You know, cancer is not a death sentence. It's the body crying out for help. And um, you've seen it time and time again. This is this is this is the thing. And as you say you've got to get the the right advice. I always say to people to go and do do your own research and look for everything out there because. None of these things on their own. But I get messages all the time. Right, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's like they're great within a balanced and healthy lifestyle. You know, like, um, th- these are these are the things. And a tumor. I mean, for example, you, you probably know yourself. But epigenetics. It tells us it doesn't matter about your genes. If you're living a certain way, you're never gonna get that that disease because your body. I mean, it's default setting is health. It's it's modern lifestyle plus genetic predisposition equals chronic disease. So when you take all these into consideration, you know. It's not just bad luck that you get these illnesses, it's accumulation. It takes 10 to 15 years to work on cancer. It takes 10 to 15 years for, even before a tumour can even come up. So these things, are, it's really interesting, you know, and, and say medical marijuana is powerful, um, but using co- combination with other things, it's going to make it even even more powerful because it's not going to be having to fight against so many different issues. I mean, I just just quickly, with, with weight loss, have you noticed anything with weight loss or with weight gain with taking it for people? Um, okay. So, uh, with weight gain, it's really interesting. It does help patients who have, um, uh, you know, cachexia for instance, and this is like a a wasting syndrome. It does help those patients, um, patients with AIDS, patients with cancer, uh, you know, often have cachexia. Um, but the average person, even though they consume more calories with using marijuana, they don't actually gain weight from it. Um, now when it comes to weight loss, I haven't seen, uh, you know, any difference in, in marijuana helping to, to lose weight. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's, it's basically on a, a person by person basis really. So that, that's cool. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's something that I definitely think people can look at me. I mean, in the, over here, um, Medically, I think if you, if you I think it's a bit easier to obtain, it depends on what state you're in in in, in America, right? You've got different laws for each state. In California, obviously, it, it's it's legal. Um, you obviously wouldn't be able to prescribe it, but I think there's quite a big thing over over in your your side of the pond that it is gaining in credibility. A lot of people are, are doing more and more of it. And Hawaii, I'm guessing you, it's fine. Then is it? Because you're moving. There? Yeah. So it's so so it's going to be based on state to state. Now there are. There are, as far as I know, there's seven states that, or sorry, six states that have legalized for recreational use, right. uh, California being one of them, Colorado was the first, um, and then Washington, Oregon, uh, Alaska, Nevada have followed suit, um, and then also Massachusetts and Maine, and then the District of Columbia um, has also legalized for recreational use. Now, we have... Up to, to to date, we have 29 states that have legalized for medical use, right? So that's over half. Um, so so we in a short period of time, there's been a tremendous amount of progress that's been made. California was the first to legalize for medical use back in 1996, and then Colorado legalized for recreational use in 2012. And you know the the whole program, the recreational program, went into effect in 2014, so fairly recently. But since then, there's sort of been this snowball effect with states legalizing for recreational and medical use okay so i mean it's it's growing which is really good and uh, people say so if people were out of state for example and they wanted to work with you or even over over here 
if it can it can it cross the, the state borders or for example when they order it is it a problem the place, certain places you can go to get it or do you do you sell it yourself yeah so i cannot sell it by law um, and then, um, the, the way it's, it's purchased. So in states where it's legalized for medical or recreational use, there are state licensed facilities typically called medical marijuana dispensaries that actually dispense the marijuana. Okay. Um, depending on the state that you live in, if it's legal for recreational use, then pretty much as long as you're over the age of 21, you can just walk in and purchase. Okay. Now there are limits to the amounts that you can purchase, but, but like I said, as long as you're over the age of 21, you can purchase. In, in states that have legalized for medical use, you do need uh, uh, documentation from uh, the, the, your physician and or the state as well, okay? Um, and you, you need that document, documentation to gain entry to make a purchase in the medical marijuana dispensary. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah, once again, guys, you heard it here first. So, so it should be, um, long as, long as you, you, you've sort of like been cleared for it, you should be okay. Um, so you just go, go for it that way. Uh, and for guys in England, I think, they, I think you can get it as well at your, if you really need to, if you get prescribed it, it's not a problem in the UK and England. So anything else you'd like to add about, um, medical marijuana, Roshana? Um, no, we've actually gone through quite a bit. We, you know, um, I would, I would just say that, you know, if your listeners have uh, questions, then they can reach out to me on my YouTube channel. And I've already answered a lot of commonly asked questions on my YouTube channel. So they can just Google YouTube Dr. Rachna Patel or YouTube the medical marijuana expert. And my YouTube channel should show up on the first page of Google. Yeah, it's, yeah, Doc, Dr. Roshana Patel. So it's obviously Dr. R A C H N a um patel and it's dash the medical marijuana expert and that's for a youtube and website as i said before guys it's dr roshana patel.com you can also find her on twitter linkedin and facebook um so anyone got any questions you can head over to there and give give her a shout or just give me a shout and i'll get them off to roshana but um otherwise been really good talking to roshana thanks a lot for coming on and uh, in fact you're Fifth, episode 50 so 50 not out so far so thank you for being uh, uh yeah whole century yeah yeah well, what is that like a silver or gold gold anniversary or something like that? <laughs> well no it, uh well it means we're about i think i've, I've been doing again get one episode out a week for almost a year so we're almost up to oh, the good year for, you. Almost up for the anniversary yeah. of the year and uh um, yeah. so yeah you're uh, number 50 so well, thanks for that um been yeah. good talking to you and Hopefully, you'll have a very smooth transition to Hawaii, and you can, uh, yeah, I mean, Hawaii sounds like, oh, it's a place I really want to go visit, and um, yeah, I'm a bit jealous of you there for that. To be fair, California's hardly a dumb visit, you know, uh, so, you're, so you're doing all right, um, but thanks, thanks very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I bye appreciate bye. it. Bye-bye. Bye. So guys, that was episode 50 with Dr. Rashina Patel, all about medical marijuana. Any questions you've got, then give me a shout at www.reviveyourself.co or you can head on over to Rashina's website. Um, and some of the things you're talking about there about, about chemotherapy, for example, 97% uh, ineffective. I mean, there's lots of um, research out there. I mean, if you go to Dr. Farah, cancercenter.com uh, forward slash chemo dash 97 long term failure then there's a whole lots of clinical uh, studies cited there um, also I mean I mean if you, any of you guys know health health nut news there's lots of different articles there 
about the top seven reasons chemotherapy fails more than 97% of the time, creating new cancers in the body and crippling uh, the chances of true recovery um, by Dr. Wells. There's lots of information that you can have a look at. Just remember not to look at the mainstream because they're or even the pharmaceutical. But, you know, cancer cells are mutated um, by chemotherapy. Um, and, you know, they can contr- they can. Con- Travel uncontrollably in the bloodstream through this. I mean, chemotherapy destroys a good bacteria in your gut, uh, which is like the biological seat of immunity for the human body. Um, it was invented by the Nazis uh, one decade after World War Two. Um, who know who they knew then? What we know now uh, that chemotherapy does nothing more than make cancer uh, the cancer temporarily recede, only to come back with a vengeance within a few months or a couple of years. Um, it's a mixture of toxic chemicals that cause cancer as well. Um, I mean, would you inject snake venom into your muscle tissue through a needle if you were bitten by a poisonous snake? No, you wouldn't. Um, and chemotherapy is just uranium. You know, chemotherapy makes people so sick they can't even eat. So how can a person who needs the nutrition to, to heal themselves get it if they don't have a desire to eat? And you know, it's mainly administered by hospitals where superbugs and bacteria and viruses are rampant, and um, the immune system is just shot to pieces. And, the, and you know, the body's immune to then to antibiotics. And the longer you're stuck in the hospital, the more your chances are of dying there. This has been shown they they, they increase exponentially. And more often than not, chemotherapy is administered after intense invasive surgery and cancer-causing radiation treatment. So the stress to the, to the body is compounded, adding to the health chaos and an overall crippling effect, but both mentally, physically, and emotionally. So you can have a look into all that. There's lots of places you can look at. Just don't look at the mainstream. Otherwise, guys, that's it for episode 50. I'll see you next week um, where we're having lots of fun talking about the thyroid okay guys so that's it for episode 50 as always stay happy stay healthy and i'll speak to you soon if you're struggling with gut issues such as gas bloating constipation diarrhea indigestion heartburn and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of the healing health paradigm today